several scriptures this morning. And if for some reason you can't keep up with us, they will be posted on the screen. We're continuing a thought that we began last week about the kind of church that Jesus is building here at Strong Tower. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 that he would build his church and he would build it upon the rock and the rock is himself. He is the son of the living God. So the church is built upon the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his subsequent resurrection. Without Jesus and without the cross and without the resurrection, there would be no church. We would just be gathering as any other group around the nation that gathers, an Elks Club, a parent-teacher meeting, um, it would just be a gathering, but we gather in his name and we gather through the strength that he gives through the Holy Spirit where this place is transformed into his temple and we are his church, the ecclesia, the ones who have been called out of darkness and into the marvelous light. Those of us who have been called out of Adam and into Jesus Christ. We're the ones who have been called out of the world even though we're in it, we're not of it because our citizenship is in heaven. So we are people who get our dictates from above because we seek those things which are above where Christ is. Being a part of Jesus' church, we understand that we are just pilgrims passing through. This place is not our home. Our home is in heaven. But until we either go there through death or Jesus comes to take us home through the rapture, we are here to occupy. And we occupy through the local church where we are the body of Jesus Christ. He is the head. We are his hands and his feet. And prayerfully, we have his heartbeat to go and reach and serve those who do not know Jesus Christ. To serve the poor to serve the last in society, to serve the least, to go forth even as he went forth to reach those who many thought were unreachable. So Jesus is building his church and I'm so glad to be a part of what he is building. And he also has a wonderful uh, dry cleaning plan as well with the church. And what I mean by that is he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And because we are the church, we are also the bride of Christ. We're his bride. And he's coming back for us, but he's going to make sure that our wedding gown, uh, that we live up to what we've attained. What have we attained? We've attained righteousness, positional righteousness. So he's working in us whereby we can have practical righteousness that is uh, in concert with our positional righteousness. So he knows how to iron out the wrinkles in the church. And he uses heat and pressure to do that. You know, you can't iron and get these kind of crisp creases that I got in my pants here this morning. Uh, I got on my Latino flavor this morning. What's up, S.A.? Uh, I, I, I'm rolling. And, and, and to get this kind of crease, you got to have some heat and some pressure. 
And he's doing that to his church. He allows us to go through some heat and some pressure to iron out the wrinkles. And then that blood that we remember Christ today through communion is able to wash us of all of our impurities. Oh, he's building the church. So glad, so thankful to be a part because there was a time I wasn't a part of the church. Now, I was a church member, but I wasn't a part of the church. Did I lose you with what I just said? You see, I grew up in church, but I did not know Jesus Christ, the head of the church. I didn't know the reason for the church. I was a church member. I had my name on the roll down here, but I didn't have my name on the roll up there. At the age of nine, I got baptized, but I did not know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. So all I did was take a second bath that Sunday morning. Probably didn't take one that morning before I came to church. But a little bit later, I met the Lord Jesus as my Savior. He, he sought me out. He ran after me, as Christy said today. He said yes to me and gave me the grace and the desire to say yes back to him. Right before I turned 16 years old, and I became a member of the church, the Universal Spiritual Church of God. Anybody else a member of the Universal Spiritual Church of God? Anybody born again today? Anybody saved by the blood of Jesus? By the blood of Jesus. Oh, thank you. Well, today, let's pick up on another building block at Strong Tower, and that is our mission. Last week, we dealt with our name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Today, let's talk about our mission. So I've called this message Rome. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for what we're about to learn. For many of us, things that we're going to be reminded of. So thank you, Lord, that we are all your students. We are your disciples, and some of us a little further along than others. But God, we're all in the same boat, and you are the master, you are the teacher. So Lord, teach us today. It's amazing that you would use flawed vessels like myself to communicate to your people uh, the will and the word of God. So Lord, work in spite of me. Thank you for the overriding power of the Holy Spirit who's able to take these truths, minister them to our hearts, and give us the ability to live them out. So thanks, God. We love you for this great exchange that's about to happen today. Speak, Lord Jesus. Teach us. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. I'm a child of the 70s and the 80s. And commercials back then had a lot of uh, oomph to them. You, you could remember a lot of the commercials and the jingles that they used to create uh, the, the interest in a product. And I still remember this song. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. And then it goes on to say something else. And, and, and the whole thing, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Does anybody remember that commercial? Uh-huh. Some of y'all young folk, y'all don't understand that. And they would go and have this melody from bikes to trains to video games. It's the biggest toy store there is. Gee whiz, I don't want to grow up. Because maybe if I did, I wouldn't be a Uh-huh, you remember that too. But can I tell y'all something? Toys R Us lied to us. They lied to us because I don't know a kid that doesn't want to grow up. Uh, my daughter's birthday is coming up and she's going to be 13. 
uh, and it's in November, and she is already talking to me about her 13th birthday in November. I remember when I was 10, I wanted to be 10 and a half. You know, somebody asks you your age, how old are you, little boy? I'm 10 and a half. You don't know old folks that say, man, I'm 47 and a half. Because kids want to grow. They, they want to get to the 13. I'm a teenager. Then they want, something's magical about 16. Then they want to be 21. They're always trying to grow and get to the next level. I remember I would walk into the bathroom and watch my dad and he would shave. And he would put that lather on back in the day and he would be in the bathroom shaving. And I would say to my dad, dad, I want to shave. And my father said to me, he said, now son, don't rush it. Because you will be shaving for the rest of your life. So enjoy it now while you're young. But when I'm young, I didn't want that. So I would still put his shaving cream on my face and try to act like I was shaving. I remember when I was younger, I just had to have a driver's license. I, I wanted to drive. And you know, when, when you don't have your driver's license, like my, my 15-year-old or 16-year-old, she just got her permit, 15-year-old, got a permit. So when she turns 16, she's going to get the actual license. And all she's talking about is, I just love driving. You haven't done anything yet. Because once you start driving, I'm going to do to her what I did to my other two and what my parents did to me. Uh, boy, I need you to get up and go to the grocery store and get me a... Uh, uh, girl, get up. Uh, we need a... Uh, and then after a while, you're going to be in that car. Mm, I don't feel like driving. But you always want to grow up and go to the next stage and go to the next level. And sometimes in the body of Christ... Not all of God's kids have that desire to want to grow up. A lot of us still act like the theme song of Toys R Us, and that is, I don't want to grow up. I remember when I just wanted to get taller. I just wanted to get taller. And I was telling Trace Bell, my nephew, this morning, as we were watching the toddlers during the 9 o'clock hour, I said, Trace, I remember when I was younger, I did not really grow until the 11th grade. Between the 11th grade and the 12th grade is when I probably went from like 5'6 to 5'11. But until that time, I just always wanted to grow. I just always wanted to grow. And that should be the desire for believers. We should want to grow, want to grow. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. And Paul writes to that group, he says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So Paul is saying that we should all grow up. Now the thing about spiritual maturity is that you never reach a place where you plateau and you've gone as far or as high or as deep as you can go. But because we're in process, we should always be growing. So we should grow up into Jesus Christ. 
And so if this was the kind of church that said, turn to your neighbor, I would tell you, turn to your neighbor and say, grow up. But since we're not that kind of church, don't turn to your neighbor. (laughs) What things? He says, grow up in all things. What things do you need to grow up in? What things do I need to grow up in? Again, we're in process. Some people are further along in a particular area than you are. You may be further along in your growth with Christ than someone else. But where and how do you need to grow up in the Lord? Is it with your attitude? Is it with how you steward God's finances? Do you need to grow up in being a servant? How do you need to grow up? Is it in your spiritual disciplines? You know, we're not dedicated or devoted to discipline, but we are disciplined unto devotion. I am disciplined so that I can meet God. I'm just not doing these disciplines because I remember there was a time in my life I would go through the disciplines because I was trying to grow, but it was really done out of the wrong motivation. It was more of a works-based kind of righteousness. I wasn't going in to meet God. I was going in to check off the list that I had met with God. And so I still had to grow up, even though I was trying to grow my spiritual disciplines, I had to grow, which reminds me that we have to grow in grace. Second Peter chapter three, verse 18, it says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's grow up and let's especially grow in grace. Coming out of the section of the church of Jesus called the Baptist denomination, I knew a whole lot about saving grace. I knew that I was saved by grace through faith and apart from works. But unfortunately, once I became saved by grace, I picked up law and I thought that it was up to me and grace was only good to get me saved. But little did I know that grace was what is necessary that I may walk and live like a saved person. The same gospel that saved me by grace is the same gospel I must grow in by grace because I have died with Christ. So understanding my position, and as Pastor Darrell will teach us, our identity. It's the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, not only to save me, but that I may enjoy my saved experience. I died with him, I was buried with him, and I have been raised with him, and every day I need to preach that to myself to remind myself that I am not my own. I have been bought with the price. I am identified with Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. And he loved me so much to save me when I was lost, and he loves me so much to keep me while I'm saved. So I gotta grow in grace. And one of the proofs that we know that we're growing in grace is that we become a conduit of grace. That grace not only appears to us, but it also appears through us. That's how we know we're growing. So Peter says to that church, grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, you would think that the older we get in Christ, the more gracious we ought to be. Because of Christ. But I don't know about you, but sometimes I run into some older saints and they can be pretty mean, cantankerous, surly, bossy, <laughs> look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. <laughs> now, we should be growing in grace the older we get. But I, I feel like
sometimes as older folks, myself included, that sometimes I forget what the Lord delivered me from. I forget about the grace that saved me out of some mess when I lied to my parents and I did all kind of foolishness out there. And sometimes I want to look down and point a self-righteous finger at them children out there. Look at them, look at them children out there. They just acting up. Wait a minute. Don't you remember what you were like? but by the grace of God. So, so may we be a group of people that, man, we are growing in grace, not only what we receive, but also what we give out to one another. Now, one of the ways God, God teaches me about grace is through driving. He teaches me about grace through driving. Uh, let, let me take you first to a parking lot. See, because the Lord, we're talking today about being a disciple. And the Lord is always teaching because we should always be learning because there should never be a place where we've learned everything. So for the Lord Jesus, the master teacher, school never ends. So even when I'm in a grocery parking lot, he's teaching me about grace. Because have you ever come up to a parking spot? You've been going around and going around like I was yesterday at Trader Joe's. You're going around and you're going around and then you think you found one. But somebody had the nerve to double park and they taking up two spaces instead of one. And when I see that and, and I think, can I get my car up in that little crevice? Can, and then I, I try and I can't do it. Then I get mad at that person for taking up two spots. And then the Holy Spirit will talk to you if you'll listen. And he'll come like he came to Elijah in a still small voice. And he'll say, um, excuse me, but has thou ever did what you're upset with this person about? Has thou ever taken up two spots before? Well, Lord, um, uh, no, answer the question, Christoph. Yes, Lord, I am guilty as charged. I have unfortunately done that because I've been in the haste. Oh, oh, so now you're talking about excuses for why you have done this. So, so maybe those people have an excuse for why they are double parked as well. So why don't you give them the kind of grace that you would want somebody to give to you? Okay, thank you, Lord Jesus, for that pop quiz on grace that we just had in the parking lot of Trader Joe's. But then let me take you down uh, uh, Franklin Road or, or let, let me take you down uh, Hillsborough Road. Have you ever been behind somebody and the light has turned green, but they have not moved? And you're like, now, what's going on now? The light, and, and so you lay on your horn. And then the person, oh, and then they drive off. And then the Lord says to me, now, have you ever been that person who is distracted at the light because you're looking at something, doing whatever, and somebody behind you has to honk? I'm like, yes, Lord. So can you be a little bit more gracious for people who may not do it the way you do it because you do the same thing that they, that they do as well? I'm like, yes, Lord. I've got to grow up as a disciple in grace. And grace ought to humble us. And we ought to be a gracious people. So, Strong Tower, are you growing as a disciple? Are you growing up in Christ? Are you growing in grace? Well, our mission statement is simple. And it is Strong Tower Bible Church exists. What are we here for? We are here for good singing? Not necessarily. Are we here for good preaching? Not necessarily. 
but we're here to make disciples of Jesus Christ by being a Bible-based, multi-dimensional fellowship of believers. So if you're here with us for the first time, this is our mission statement as a church, and we've had this mission statement for 20 years. The mission does not change. Every church has the same mission. And that is to make disciples based on the command Jesus gave in Matthew 28. And we'll come to that passage a little bit later. So we are here to make disciples or students, pupils of Jesus Christ. Not of a denomination. Uh, Can I get an amen? amen? Some churches, it seems they're more into a denominational slant than a kingdom slant. Again, there's nothing wrong with denominations. A strong tower is a denomination even though we're non-denominational. Denominations are like uh, uh, coins in a cash register, money in a cash register. When you come to a cash register, it's going to have various denominations of money in it. It's going to have pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters. It's going to have single bills and $5 bills and $10 bills and $20 bills and $50 bills and $100 bills. They're in different denominations, but they're all in the same register. All of it is money, but it's not the same denomination. And in the kingdom of God, the register, if you will, is the, the church of Jesus Christ, universe. And there are various denominations, pennies, nickels, dimes, dollars. The point is, are you stamped with the right image on you bearing Christ on your money? Or is it some kind of foreign money that don't belong in this particular register? I remember I would go travel around the country and I may get a Bahamian coin or something and I bring it back and I try to go into Kroger with a Bahamian coin. That coin don't work over here. That only works over there. And so in God's kingdom, it has to be stamped with the right currency and it's Jesus Christ. I just threw that in for free. Let me get on back to the text here. Here to make disciples, not of a denomination. The denomination is not chief. Man, thank God for the Baptist denomination, Methodist denomination, the PCA denomination. There's so many denominations. Who is chief is Jesus Christ. And we want people to learn him more than they learn the various slants of denominations. And every Christian has the same mission. If the church has the mission, we as individual Christians, i.e. churches, we have the same mission as well to make disciples. So here's my question. If this is our mission statement as a church, every church should have this. We are trying to introduce people to Jesus so that they may grow in him and continue to perpetuate the kingdom of God on earth until Christ should come. We make disciples. We make disciples as a church and even as individuals. But here's my question. Have you ever made a disciple? Have you ever personally made a disciple? And if so, how do you know? Number two, have you ever been discipled? Has anyone ever discipled you? And thirdly, have you ever uh, discipled someone? Not only have you made a disciple in terms of leading someone to Christ, but have you ever made a disciple, and that is seeing them grow up spiritually? Well, at Strong Tower Bible Church, we have a philosophy that we use here. This is not a formula. It's just a philosophy, and we make disciples through what we call Rome. R-O-A-M. And Rome stands for this. R is revelation. O is observation. A is application. And M is multiplication. 
So when we look at, you know, when you read the scriptures, again, it's not a formula, but you see various nuances and principles throughout the scripture concerning what it means to make disciples. And even that term that Jesus gives us in Matthew 28, it can be a tricky term because although we're called to make disciples, we really can't make a disciple. Jesus has to make the disciple, as we'll see later. We plant, we water, but God gives the increase. He makes the person a disciple. We make disciples after he's made the disciple. We, we can't make them be Christian. And so that's why we've got to be careful that we don't allow discipleship to even come close to looking like some form of spiritual abuse, manipulation, control, beating people down, trying to guilt trip them into the kingdom. The spirit must give life to the person. And, 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 and God will use us in the process of planting and watering as we make disciples, but only God can make the person a disciple. Are you following me so far? Only he can make the heart convert to him. He'll use us in the process. So we're making disciples, but we're not domineering over people. We're not going to make them pray to pray of salvation. If the spirit of the Lord isn't moving, we're not moving. He's got to give the increase. That's why the person that wins souls is wise. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you doing? So let's look, number one, when we talk about making disciples a strong tower, and every church has different ways of trying to arrive at this goal. Um, let's look at Revelation. Number one, this is biblical. This is biblical. Why do we start here? John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So stop right there. Belief is what gets us in. But we need to continue believing and abiding so that we may walk like people who've been granted access in. So they have believed in him. And then Jesus says, that is great, but that is the starting point. That's not the finishing point. Praying a prayer, trusting me is not the end. It is the beginning. And so this is what I want you to do, to abide in my word. Abide means to make yourself at home, to dwell in, to rest in, rely on, lean on, sit down with my word. And that's heavy for a rabbi to say that in the day because the rabbis would always quote what the word says. They would quote Habakkuk or they would quote Isaiah. But Jesus, he would not only quote Habakkuk and Isaiah, but he would also say, abide in my word. Because he's the one that gave that word to Habakkuk and Isaiah and Hosea in the first place. So he is not your ordinary rabbi. He is the son of man. He is the son of God. And he speaks with a different kind of authority than any other rabbi in his time or since then. He is the word made flesh. So if you want to know what God looks like concerning his will, you look at Jesus. If you want to know what God sounds like concerning his will, you listen to Jesus. And Jesus said, if you're going to really be my disciple, you've got to abide in my teaching. You can't say you know Jesus, but you do not know his word. Again, grace is wonderful and we need grace but sometimes there's a grace out here called Greece. And people just think that they can get Jesus but not want to walk with Jesus. They got heaven and they're not content or even motivated to try to see heaven come to earth in their lifestyle and in their walk. 
Now, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but we can't fool God none of the time. That's why we should examine ourselves. Where do we stand with God? Because grace ought to be a motivation unto godliness. It shouldn't be something that we say, oh, I got my ticket to heaven. I'm on the J train and I'm going to live like hell till I get there. No, it don't work like that. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Woo! Verse 32. And then Jesus says about this word, he says, and you shall know the truth. Why? Because this word is truth. And the truth shall do what? Make you free. It's going to change your life. You just are not getting information. We're going to find out later that this book is alive. This is the breath of God. And when we come under the breath of God in a culture of lies and a lying spirit called Satan, this word sets us free. It breaks the bonds and the chains and the yokes of the oppressor. So what's so special about this word? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. All scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, parts you like, parts you don't like. All scripture is given by inspiration of God or by the breath of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This book right here gives you everything you need. And so in order to be a disciple of Jesus, we should be in the book. And we just shouldn't wait for Sunday to get in the book. We should be getting in the book on a regular basis because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And if the only time you eat is from Sunday to Sunday, you are malnourished as a believer. So we got to encourage you as a disciple to grow up in your spiritual disciplines. You've got to read this book. You got to listen to this book. You got to meditate on this book. We've got to memorize this book. We've got to study this book. Then we start preaching it. Then we start teaching it. Then we start singing it. But first, let's read it, listen to it, meditate on it, memorize it, study it. Oh, it's it's important. Hebrews 4.12 tells us more about this book. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So when we read this book, we're spending time with God. God speaks truth and he speaks it in love. And when we read this Bible, this living book, it has a way of going down and judging the intents and the motives of our heart. So as we're spending time with God and his word, the Holy Spirit takes the truths of the scripture and he reveals them to us and he cuts us to uh, wound us well so that we can get healed and so that we can grow. A gentle tongue from God can break a callous, fleshy bone in our lives. But if we're not spending time with God, we don't have anything to challenge the motivations of our heart. So the more I spend time with God, the more he's going to check my thoughts and the more he's going to check the motives and the intents of my heart. Which is why when I'm in my flesh, I don't want to hear no word. I'm just messing with you. I'm coming down your street. I got some mail. I'm going to drop it off in your box. Don't take it personal. But when you get in the flesh, you don't want to read your Bible. But that's the best time to read your Bible because the spirit is willing, but the flesh ain't trying to hear that. 
But you take to the flesh, you know what? I've been in this bad attitude, this funk, all this stuff. Man, that computer is tempting me to bug out. Let's take this flesh into the presence of God. Let's open up this Bible right here. Oh, boy, it's going to be a war. It's going to be a collision. Oh, man, that's how we grow up. Oh, I love it. You see, some people say, I don't like reading the Bible because I don't get nothing out of it. And so you read a verse and say, I ain't getting nothing. It didn't move me. It didn't make me say, oh, Shonda, it didn't do that to me. <laughs> so you give up on it. But I want to encourage you. Keep reading. Keep reading. Keep reading. Because the Bible is like a children's pop-up book. When you read these pop-up books, they're designed to have what is on the page to come out. And what happens is when you start reading, it doesn't come out on the first page because the first page is the publisher's page. And somebody could give up on it and say, man, I don't want to read anymore. I thought it was a pop-up book. Well, keep turning. The next page, table of contents. I thought it was a pop-up book. I'm going to put this thing down. Keep reading. Because when you flip the page, it's going to do what it's going to do. It's going to pop up. And a lot of us, we give up on it before it pops up. Because you have an anointing from God who will teach you things that no pastor can ever teach you. But you've got to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity. And it may take five minutes, ten minutes. You don't just jump in your car on a cold day and drive off, especially if you got a hoopty. You let it warm up. we got to warm up in the presence of God. And man, he will talk to you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 through 3. He says, as newborn babes desire the what? The pure spiritual milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We cannot be disciples who grow up or grow in grace if we're not drinking the pure milk of the word of God. And no matter how old you get, unless you get lactose, lact, was it? Intolerant. That's called the flesh, you know. Now, we should still be drinking milk. And the word also has the meat that we need. And so a baby progresses with milk. A baby may start off on uh, the mother's breast and then go to a bottle. And someone is holding the bottle for the baby because the baby can't hold the bottle his or herself. But then after a while, that baby starts growing because of what it's taking in. And it's getting stronger and healthier. And then at some point, you see that baby who had to be at the breast or someone hold the bottle. You then see that baby holding the bottle for his or herself. And they walk around, they crank it up to, and they're gone. And then they get old enough where you don't have to cut their little food up and stuff and and they know how to do things on their own to the point where when my kids started getting older some nights if you want to eat you gotta cook for yourself does that happen in your house every now and then and, and, and they gotta realize now either I'm going to put into practice what I've been seeing and I'm gonna fry this bologna just right Oh, now bologna sandwich. Just fry the bologna, put a little butter in the pan. You, but you got to cut the edges just a little bit so that it can bubble in the soul. Because if you don't cook for yourself, you're not going to eat. I was so blessed. I talked to my son the other day. When I talked to him, the brother was in the kitchen cooking. I said, man, what you cooking? This brother said he's making soup. 
steak and rice. I said, boy, you making all of that? Yep, dad, it was like 9.30. Remember when you could eat late like that? Man, he's eating soup, steak, and rice at 9.30. But I was so proud that my boy was cooking for himself. But when he got home, mama, can you cook me some? Mama, can you? Boy, you a hypocrite. We got to learn how to cook for ourselves. We have one of the greatest Bible teachers in the nation in Christy McClellan. Love to sit under her. She has the gift of teaching for the body of Christ. But the Holy Spirit says, now, don't you bypass me and just rely on her or on Kay Arthur or on Joyce Meyer or on Tony Evans or whoever your favorite Bible teacher is. It's great. And God uses these great men and women. But the Holy Spirit says, I've got something I want to show you. And if you get along with me long enough, I will blow your socks off. So a disciple is someone who grows in the word. So how is your personal Bible reading going? Could you pass a simple Bible IQ test? Could you name the books of the Bible in order? Can, can you do that? Do you have a desire to want to know how to do that? I remember one day I was at uh, school ministering to some students, and there was a Muslim kid who was also at the school. And I remember him saying poignantly to the Christian kids, he said, I know more about your faith than you do. And the Christian kids couldn't respond because they knew he was right. And so if we're growing up in the faith, we shouldn't still be tripping on the things we once tripped on when we were spiritually six months old. We should know our way around the Bible. You know, I've gone to some churches and I've said, man, we're going to come from Revelation tonight. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. And by the time I get to my conclusion, there are people in the church still trying to find the book of Revelation. Like, wow, okay, <laughs> Study to show yourself approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. I see my friend Larry Warren sitting in the back, and one of the things that he does, and I've, been, I've had the privilege of helping him in various countries in Africa, and that is teaching pastors and believers there how to have a basic hold of theology, bibliology, uh, hermeneutics, you know, teaching the word, and man, there are people who, they, they can't wait to get these resources in their hands. But we have access to so much, and we use it very little. So as a soldier of Christ, and I'll end here, no, I'll get observation. As a soldier of Christ, we need to know our weapon. Our weapon is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we need to know how to use our weapon so, man, let, let's practice with our weapon. Spend time with your weapon. Secondly, observation. If you're going to be a disciple, not only do you need scripture, revelation, which is biblical, but, man, if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I've got to observe, and this is relational. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, the word nations there is the word ethnos, and that's where we get ethnic group from. So it was always the Lord's will for all of the nations to come together. That salvation would come to all people through the Jews first and then to the rest of the world. 
So the calling on Abraham's life, the father of the Hebrew people, was to bless every family on the face of the earth. So God's vision for people was always inclusive and not segregated. It was always integrated. And so we see Jesus here saying, guys, I know this thing started in Jerusalem amongst the Jews. I came to the lost sheep of Israel first because I'm a God of order, but it's not to stay here with us. And this will go in a couple of weeks with our vision that God has given us, which he's given the entire church to not only make disciples, but to be a multi-ethnic movement of people. And so Jesus says, I want you to make disciples of all of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe All things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So Jesus is giving a command. The word or the phrase make disciples is a command in the Greek. So this is why this is our mission statement. You know, you learn a lot about a person by what they talk about before they go on to the next place. And before our loved ones go on to heaven, we hear the things that are in their heart if they are able to speak. And those things are the things that are most important to them. And before Jesus ascends and goes to glory, he gives his heart to the disciples. And he says, this is what I want you to do. This is my last will and testament. Go and make disciples of all nations. I came to save the world. And I am using you guys to go out and reach the world. Go and do it. And I'm going to give you my authority through my resurrection, through the outpouring of the Spirit, to go into the world and tell people about the marvelous love of God through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says, when you make disciples, I want you to teach them. I want you to baptize them. And then when he says teach them, I want want you to teach them how to observe what I've commanded you. In other words, let people watch you put what I taught you into practice. Because there are going to be some people who've never heard about me. But they're going to hear about me when you talk about me, but they're going to see about me when they watch you. And they're going to know you're my disciples by how you love people. So go into all the world and let them get close enough to watch you live out the commandments to love God, love yourself, and love your neighbor. Hang everything on that. Let them get close enough to you to watch you live out the commands. And that's why we got to have some relationships. We can't be a growing disciple and be by ourselves. He didn't design you to be that way. He designed you and saved you to be a part of a body so that you can give and receive, so that your gifts can bless someone and their gifts can bless you. Be a part of a body, of a community, but we've got to get close enough to somebody to let them observe. But the reason why I don't want you in my home, because if the only time we observe each other is in church, we really don't know each other. If I only see you with your Sunday best on, I really don't know you, but when I come up in your house and you and your wife just got finished having some intense fellowship, now I'm really getting to observe what's happening. How do you apply Jesus when your kids get on your last nerve? How do you apply Jesus when you're dealing with fear or anger or resentment or lust? How do you observe Jesus? How can people observe Jesus when tax time comes and you're tempted to cheat? You got to let somebody in close enough. But sometimes we don't want them in close enough because we don't want the iron to sharpen us as iron. I'd rather stay dull and not let anybody in my marriage or let anybody into my prayer life or let anybody into this or that. So we stay alone. But Jesus says, man, let people get close enough to you so they can watch. It's like shadowing. 
Let me go on your job and shadow you because I'm thinking about being this or being that. So let me watch you how you do it. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 11, as I close, Paul said to Timothy, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. You've seen it all. The persecutions, the afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at, at Iconium, at Lystra, were persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. So he said, Timothy, you had a front row seat. Because Timothy was discipled by his mother and his grandmother. But he also needed a man in his life. Because there are some things, according to the book of Titus, that men need to teach men. And there are just some things women need to teach women. And so Paul takes this young man under his wing and Timothy is observing Paul's doctrine, how he's been persecuted, the tribulations, everything. Because as he's watching, Paul knows this is what he's going to become and do. Last night I saw a documentary on Michael Jackson. And Spike Lee did a wonderful job talking about the things that led up to the off-the-wall record. And one of the things Sammy Davis said and so many others said is that Michael Jackson would often sit off in the wings of the stage and he would just watch and observe Jackie Wilson. He would just watch and observe James Brown. He was always taking mental notes even as a 10-year-old because he knew that one day I'm going to be doing this. And as disciples of Jesus, we've got to get around people who are spiritually mature so that we can watch them. Because some of us don't know how to be a parent, don't know how to be a man, don't know how to be a wife, don't know how to be a husband, don't know how to be a good employee, don't know how to be a good servant. We've got to be around some people who are a little bit spiritually more mature than we are. And then we've got to let somebody get around us to watch what we're getting from the Lord. Because I can't pass on what I'm not getting. That's how it should be. The man who discipled me, I was a freshman. And I was in school, and I'd just become a Christian right before my 11th grade year, but I wasn't growing up as a disciple. And when I got to college, there were not many African-American men in leadership. So there was one man in particular who was in leadership, and I just naturally watched him because we could identify with certain things. I just watched him. And I ended up taking his class so I could be near him, and he's teaching the class, and one day he invites me uh, to his office. He says, come meet me here in the morning. And uh, I would go to his office in the morning, and he would show me how to read the Bible. He would show me how to use a concordance. Then he would ask me questions, man, what, what do you like to do? And I said, man, I like to rap. He said, you ever think about writing raps for God? I'm like, what? He said, yeah, man, because in the scriptures here, Samson was rapping. You, you got to read the story. And we're going and we're looking at these stories and I'm seeing these rhymes and stuff. I'm like, what? And he says, matter of fact, if you write some rhymes, I'll take you with me when I go out and share. Now, every rapper's looking for a stage. So I said, okay. <laughs> so what he was doing was, without saying it, he was discipling me. He didn't give me a program. It was a relationship. And he would have me come over to his house and I would sit and have meals with uh, his wife and his children. And I'm just in this man's house watching how he leads his family in prayer and all this kind of stuff. I'm just having a good time watching, observing. Then he would take me out on the street. He would preach and I'd be there and I'd do my little rap, you know, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And people would come to Jesus. I'm like, wow. 
Then another time he took me out and he said, now, you rap and you preach. Like, whoa. He was growing me up. Then he had the nerve to send me out on a missions trip by myself because he had trained me and then he sent me. But he never called it discipleship. But we had a relationship. Are you close enough to somebody that you can observe their life? Have you ever been discipled? Have you ever discipled somebody? We should at least start with our children. Because when I think about the few disciples I've been able to make, I thank God for Cleon Harrison. I thank God for Curtis Zachary. I thank God for Tony Steele. I thank God for my son. Guys that I spent some intentional time with to say, let's talk about some doctrine. Let's talk about prayer. Let's talk about lust. Let's talk about money. And the Holy Spirit was working. And here's the thing about discipleship. It's not so much top down. It's like this. Because they're teaching you things as well. Because we all need the basics. The Holy Ghost erupts new understanding with the basics. So if you'd like to grow as a disciple, uh, first let me back it up. Would you like to become a disciple of Jesus? And if you're here today and you are a disciple of Jesus, but you've never been discipled, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Go up to somebody that you would like to disciple you and say, can I just watch you? Can I spend some time with you? Can you teach me what you know about the Lord? And then those of you who are spiritual mature, maybe God is going to put it on your heart to go to someone that you know is struggling and say, let me walk with you a little bit. Let's be that kind of a church. Let's stand for prayer. Now, Ten years ago, I wrote a book, and it's called Making Disciples Who Make a Difference. And this is a great tool to use. It's got in it how to get into the Word every day, or at least uh, uh, most of the week, like five times a, a week. It's got a doctrine in it, who the Holy Spirit is, who is Jesus Christ, who is God the Father, what is salvation, spiritual warfare. It's got in here... Uh, keys on how to learn the books of the Bible in order, fill in the blank kind of a stuff. It's just good old basic stuff that you can either go through with someone or you can even go through with yourself. Good basic stuff. And if you like one because you want to grow, they're here for you and they're free. And if we run out, I've got some more in the back and that's my gift to you. If there's someone here today and you don't know Jesus, ask him into your life right now as we sing this last song, Falling in Love with Jesus, you say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Jesus, be my Savior. There may be someone here also who says, you know, Pastor Chris, it's time for me to grow as a dis disciple and join a church because I need community. I need fellowship. I need accountability. And man, I think Strong Tower is the church for me. I at least want to check it out. I want you to fill this card out for me. Leave it here on the stage. We'll get in touch with you. We have membership classes every month up through the summer. I want you to come out for one of those classes. Let's make it official. Falling in love with Jesus. And then after that, we'll receive our benediction.